Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the latest Bicycling Australia podcast. We're thrilled to say this podcast is powered by Shimano. Whether it's original parts you need for your existing grip set, maybe a new grip set to completely upgrade your existing bike, or the new RC902 shoes just announced by Shimano yesterday, you can trust Shimano to power your cycling just as they power this podcast. Okay, without further ado, we're going to have a quick look at the current edition of Bicycling Australia. The September-October edition is just out this week. Um, John Deckenkolb is on the front, a cracking photo by Beardy McBeard. And you'll see the top headline on the front of the cover is the A to Z of cycling. Inside, we have a complete guide for new riders and existing uh, riders of the sport. Um, we've got a cover line, True Grit, Brody Chapman, an interview with Brody Chapman, and a special interview um, with Rupert Guinness. Rupert is actually standing by. He's our Tour de France specialist. We're going to switch over to him very shortly. The new edition is out now. We'd love you to go to the newsagent, pick up a copy. Um, even better, go to our website, www.bicyclingaustralia.com.au and subscribe to Australia's number one cycling publication. Okay, we have two very special guests here. This is a Tour de France-themed podcast. Rupert Guinness has been to more than 30 Tour de France's uh, He's not there at the moment, obviously. He's, he's covering the, the race remotely. Pat Yonker has been to probably just as many. I'm not sure how many Pat's been. We'll, we'll ask him shortly. Pat's actually ridden five Tour de France's, well over 100 stages of the race. Um, Pat is going to be our expert who's actually been there amongst in the mix, and, and we're just going to talk to them all about the Tour de France. It's a thrilling event. It's a real celebration of cycling. Such a milestone this event is even taking place. Let's hope other events can get going sh- soon. Okay, straight over to our guests, and we have Rupert Guinness there in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. How are you, Rupert? I'm terrific. Thanks, Nat. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, pleasure. Great to have you back, Rupert. Um, and Patrick Yonker, five-time Tour de France rider in Adelaide, Pat. How are you, mate? Good day, Nat. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, it's warming up here. I mean, we've got to just talk about the weather because it's spring. It's 30 degrees today. How exciting is it to be out of that, that horrible winter and into some warm conditions, guys? Yeah, superb. Uh, so this morning was the first morning without leg warmers, without winter gloves, uh, no booties. Uh, 
just uh, just a gilet just for the first couple of kilometres and then took that off. And it was just like, well, it is spring. Beautiful morning here and it's going to be great balmy afternoon and great uh, rosé drinking environment for me. Oh, nice one. Pat, I don't think you'll be getting in the rosé. You're still race fit. Yeah, no, it's cool in Adelaide. Adelaide's uh, still waiting for spring to arrive, but can't wait yeah. for summer. Yeah, so. nice. Awesome. So let's get straight into it. Uh, first of all, we waited two months for the Tour de France. It's finally here, and, I mean, no tour is um, boring. Although I did notice Alaphilippe, who had the yellow jersey, he, he described last night's stage as one very long and boring stage. Uh, but that changed a few minutes after he, they crossed the line. Do you guys, maybe Rupert, if you just tell us about what happened last night. Well, yeah, it was a, it was a stage where uh, memories had to go try and go back years and years to find a stage where there hadn't been a breakaway in a Tour de France stage, and I still can't think of one at the moment. But, okay, so it was all going to be, uh, you know, ambling along towards, uh, towards the bump sprint. But then the big drama was with about uh, 20 kilometres to go, uh, it was seen that Alaphilippe had uh, taken a uh, uh, an illegal feed or uh, drink feed off by the side of the road, um, and he was uh, subsequently uh, penalised uh, on time. And um, I guess that was the rule, but uh, the, the cost of that was that it cost him the yellow jersey, which went to uh, to Adam Yates of Mitchelton Scott, which wasn't the the way that Adam Yates uh, would have wanted to take the yellow jersey, and mm. he made clear. He felt for Julian Alaphilippe. But, uh, no, yeah, controversial circumstances. It was a rule. It was applied. But um, I do believe that a, a, a better rule would have been a penalty rather than, than a time penalty. Um, so, like, a fine rather than a time penalty. And I think in the end, um, yeah, they did apply the rules, but I think they need to look at the rules to see which rules uh, deserve or warrant um, uh, financial penalties over time penalties in what circumstances. For sure. Pat, you must have been um, a little surprised to see that unfold. Um, yeah, look, uh, yesterday's stage, uh, reading the Dutch and Belgian papers this morning, never seen anything like it. It's, it's not that there was no breakaway. The, the fact of the matter, no one attacked. And people like Lefebvre, who have been around since forever, um, commented in a lot of the Belgian papers and even... You know, the stage winner, Walt Van Aert, he commented, never seen anything like it ever in the history of the Tour de France, never seen wow. no one attacked. It's like, what, what's going on here? Yeah. I think, I think the UCI need to have a good, hard look at themselves. Um, there's been a lot of criticism the last few months of UCI prioritising silly rules and neglecting the safety of the riders. I think mm. it's time probably for the UCI to, yeah, probably look in the mirror long and hard for... Uh, what's going on, in a, not just yesterday with that penalising Alaphilippe 20 seconds, but also for the safety of the riders. And there are a lot of other things going on. And uh, really, they've just been ignoring uh, a lot of advice from the ex-pros. They're uh, not sure what's happening with the UCI. Yeah, it's such a strange um, dynamic, isn't it? And as you know, we know, it's just never a dull moment in the tour. Curveballs just constantly. Um, so that's what, you know, strange that Mitchell and Scott don't have an Australian rider. Uh, in the tour this year, which is a first, but um, but I guess on the positive, they do now have the yellow jersey, even though it was sort of gained in rather unusual circumstances. You guys, your thoughts on no Aussies in the t in no Australians in Mitchelton Scott, the Australian team? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, it would be nice if there were Australians in the Mitchelton Scott team uh, on the tour, but um, you know, uh, head sports director Matt White, he's always been clear about 
selecting the best team that he's got from his books for the uh, for a particular race, mm. and that's the best uh, team he's got for what he wants to do. Um, you know, uh, you know, before Jack Hay announced that he was going to be moving teams, um, you know, he would have been one you would have seen as possibly someone they you know could have been groomed as a GC rider for the future. But um, you know, I, I think. Uh, Yes, it's a shame, but it's uh, it's the cold, hard reality of what uh, international sports about. Is when you have international teams, um, you don't necessarily uh, um, uh, put on the field for any one game. If it was a football team or a cycling uh, a team a race, uh, the riders from the nationality with with with, with that team uh, is linked to. Just a cold, yeah. hard fact. And certainly, Matt White, Mitchell, and Scott, if they won a Tour de France. And if it was Adam Yates who won it for them, uh, they would have no regrets that the fact that there was no Australian on that team. They want to win races at the end of the day. Yeah, you're right. He's not the sort of guy that's going to pull any punches. He just sort of says it straight as it is, doesn't he? And with his, what he says and his decisions, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess the positive is, I mean, we've got Caleb Ewan and Richie Port, two of the, the, the number one and number two, you know, the best Australian riders at the moment. Um Richie Port's holding up pretty well, isn't he? I mean, these, even these mountain finishes, he's up there with those lead GC riders. Yeah, I think so. I think he's he's riding a really smart race. Him and Balcom Olimar, uh, you know, they've sort of got similar attributes. Um, you know, neither, like you saw the other day, in that, uh, the, the finish um, on the first mountain to Orsia uh, Millet. Um, you know, Richie hasn't got that sort of, high zip to go for a sprint finish like that amongst amongst the, the GC guys. He needs the longer climb where he can uh, chip away and, and, and drop riders. And same with Volker Mollema. Um, but I think that they're, 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 they're racing smartly. They haven't got the strength of teams that uh, like uh, Jumbo Visma are, are like, uh, for example. But I think yeah. that they're minimising their efforts output at the moment. They know it's a long race. All of these guys are coming off the back of a very limited preparation because of the COVID lockdowns and everything. So mm-hmm. you don't waste, particularly if you're a guy like Richie and Boca, in teams where you haven't got that massive support that the others do, you certainly can't afford to waste any uh, energy early. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, Patrick, I'm really keen to get your thoughts on this. So Caleb Ewan, uh, he won stage three, and that was just the most amazing um unfolding metres of the race, like the last 800 or so metres. Do you want to just talk us through what we saw the other night on stage three? Yeah, it was an extraordinary. Um, even Robbie McEwen was impressed, and to have Robbie McEwen impressed with what Caleb Ewan did is something really special. Uh, I've been following the Tour de France since 1979. I've seen a lot of amazing uh, sprint victories and, and stage wins, and um, I think um, Caleb Ewan is definitely in a top three of all time Tour de France sprint finish uh, stage victories. I think um, what Robbie McEwen did uh, a, a little over a decade ago when he punched it with 15 kilometres to go with uh, Lotto would probably be considered as uh, one of the greatest of all time stage victories. Um, and what Robbie McEwen did, but what Caleb did the other day was absolutely extraordinary. And I, I really you know, believe that Caleb will come out of this Tour de France with uh, three or more stage victories, and uh, mm. I believe he'll mature into um, maybe not. We're not sure. It could be another Mark Cavendish, but uh, I think he'll surpass Robbie McEwen and become Australia's greatest ever sprinter. Wow! Yeah, so he was up there, sort of ready to to compete for that sprint, uh, and then with about eight or seven hundred meters, he kind of dropped way back down the field, almost to go back and say good day to a mate or catch, you know, plan to catch up later or something. 
and then just went back up the front again. Like he just makes it look so easy. Yeah, I think I think you're seeing from uh, from Caleb this year, uh, like last year, obviously in his first two and three stage wins were great. You saw that relief that he got that first one, and then that second one was sort of like that sort of confirmation. And then the third one into Paris uh, last year was like, you know, that's the Blue Ribbon Sprint and the Tour de France, and that's mm. where Robbie Ewing got his first stage win. But you could see that he was able to really enjoy that one. And then coming back this year, uh, you know, unfortunately with success there comes pressure because you've got to repeat it again. But I think you're seeing with and – and Pat really nailed on the head about the word maturity. I think you're seeing Caleb's really embraced that leadership now and I think the team really respect Caleb as a leader. Mm-hmm. And the way that he came into that sprint finish the other day uh, when he won, um, as you said, Nat, you know, he, 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 he realised he was too close to the front too early. So he just dropped back a bit, got a little bit, bit of his breath back. But the way he weaved through that uh, bunch there and then, you know, and came in inside the barriers on Sagan's right and came out again, there was no sort of nervousness or, or anything like that. He, you know, I said to someone the other day, it was like Picasso on wheels. He just nice. drove it through and it was it was a beautiful sprint. And, and credit to Sagan, he didn't, you know, he didn't uh, – Attempted to try and you know clutch, shut the door on him there as well, which could have been horrible. And 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 Sagan's, you know, been in, in controversy over that in the past. Um, you know when Cavendish uh, crashed, and uh, so you know it was a fair sprint. You know, and and Sagan, you know, was very in a sports. It was a good, great sportsmanship by Sagan to uh, to do that because we all know in those high flighty sprints, you know, crazy things happen. But yeah, everyone through safely as well, which I think. As Pat said before about the safety elements, I think those sprints from that day really showed how you can you can light it up, you can really drill it home, you can you can sprint home to things like Caleb, and these guys can do it safely. And they're yeah. the professionals, and that's why I think I'm digressing a bit, but Patty mentioned it before. They've got to listen to the to the pros, the ex pros and the current pros, because they're the ones who've taken the they're the ones whose lives have been. On, uh, on on the on the cusp, and the ones who are racing now, they're the ones whose lives are are uh, at stake here too. So I think they've got to listen to the riders. They're, mm. they're the ones experienced, and they're the ones who can do it best. Yeah, yeah, he's just um, phenomenal the way he is maturing, like you said. Um, and the, the other obviously phenomenal rider is the winner of last night's stage and the winner of five major um, stages this year. And races, uh, Wout Van Art, what a what a beast! <laughs> Pat, what what are your thoughts on Wout? Like, well, I think um, what we're seeing is with Wout Van Art and Mathieu Van Der Poel and Remco Van Den Evenpool, we've got some, a crop of extraordinary gifted athletes. But I think also uh, what's interesting is uh, that this cyclocross ride is um, dominating the World Tour. Um, you know, the, the training, the cross training, I think that's become a, a little bit of a talking point. In my day, we were told never to run or walk too much. And here we have guys who run and as part of their training. And it, I think what's most interesting is uh, how these people train and prepare for um, uh, a grand tour. And uh, I think um, the success of Metro van der Poel and Wout van Aert will um, uh, light a, the idea in a few people's heads of... Uh, you know, maybe to train a little bit differently. So um, both extraordinary athletes, and I think we're going to see um, uh, a couple of really interesting weeks with Wout Van Aert on the front calling for Rodgerlik and Dumoulin. It's going to be a pretty exciting last two weeks. Incredible, isn't it? Straight after that win, he said, um, he said, I'll return to being a domestic tomorrow. I'll work for Roglic and Tom again. 
um, and I'll do so with great pleasure and happiness. So, yeah, what a great sport. Um, and he's just got that talent sort of there and ready when, when needed. The other um, interesting announcement last night or this morning was the World Championships will be now held in Italy um, not too long after the Tour de France. Um, so they've announced a 260-kilometre course with 5,000 metres of climbing. Um, my first thought was Wout van Aert. I mean, he, I mean, you know, it's, it sounds like a more of a, one of the GC contenders type world championships, but he is one of those riders too. You'd have to say could be quite a, a pretty solid chance. You guys, what are your thoughts on this um, very unusual world championships to be held between the the tour and um, I think while the Giro is actually taking place? Yeah, well, I think you, you, there's a point you just made there. While the Giro is taking place, you know, um, uh, you know, brings in this whole sort of cluttered calendar you know again yeah, i don't see yeah. the ice would have uh come up with the calendar that it has while trying to cram a whole season into three months you know um anyway is what they've done um you know i think uh i understand why the world championships were were cancelled in Hagler, you know and that was that was a fact that had to happen uh i i i I'm in two minds about it, Nat. You know, part of me says, hey, they should, they should have just scrapped the World Championships for a year, but, you know, um, and, and maybe let uh, let Mads uh, um, at Trek, you know, wear it for another year. I don't know. It's, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a hard one because preparations are very precise, it, a lot more precise than just having to change, you know, sit locations. Uh, you know, teams, national teams have done recon of courses. Um, well, exactly, yeah. Training camps, um, I don't know. It's uh, My verdict's still out on that one, I'm afraid. Yeah. Pat, it is a bit up in the air, isn't it? Just, I mean, changing the World Championships a month before it's held, that that's, doesn't give riders too much notice or preparation or planning, does it? No. So it's going to be the first weekend after the Tour de France. So Tour de France finishes on Sunday and the following Sunday in Imola, the riders will uh, uh, race for the, for the rainbow jersey. Yeah, it's. I think it's shocked the cycling world. I reckon the whole, all the tour, everyone's pretty shocked. Wow, you know, there's gonna no under twenty three world championship, just the men's world road race, and, and um, on on yeah Sunday September the twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Definitely, um, I would say a rider who's ridden the Tour de France will have the form to win it. So it'll be one of the climbers. Uh, from the Tour de France, and I think, you know, someone like Alaphilippe could well be uh, donning the rainbow jersey. Um, but, yeah, look, extraordinary times, and, uh, you know, every day, um, you know, there's, there's something uh, crazy stuff is happening, and this is one of the, you know, crazy ideas. But it will be good to have um, a world championship, but, uh, yeah, under these circumstances, it's... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of um, a bit unfair for some riders, but um, we'll see. Yeah. So, And then the women will race 144 kilometers with 2,750 meters. Um, so maybe another opportunity for Anna Meek to, to go back to back. Um, that will be a fascinating race as well. Yeah, certainly. I think we, we, you know, we've seen how they're racing. Um, you know, I really enjoyed that the uh, La Course race that uh, was on just before the tour started. You know, and uh, you know, uh, there's, there's great athletes in that women's peloton, and I think they're really going to, um, you know, it's going to be a very interesting race to watch. You know, uh, um, uh, I think I think uh, again they, they they will have faced the same challenges that the men's will have faced as far as the preparations concerned. But um, you know, it's it is what it is. It's certainly, with with them going back to the men's race, I think it's not a question of whether they can do it a week after because normally after the Tour de France, they would go and race in Classica San Sebastian or or this year it would have been in the normal year the Olympic Games straight after the week sure. after. So. Yeah. Uh, physically, it's not a problem, but I just think planning and strategically and, and logistically and everything is going to be a, uh, a challenge. Mm. So I guess there is going to be a world champion this year, but there might be a little question mark over it or, you know, an, uh, almost an asterisk, not like that other famous asterisk we talk about. Um, yeah. I guess next year it will re- we hope it will return to normal and Flanders will actually host the world championships, which is absolutely going to be so exciting. Um and then, obviously, Wollongong the year after that. So, um, yeah, we've got, got a lot coming up. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Worlds are great. I mean, it's, you know, the whole week of a World Championship, Road Championship is great, you know, with, with all the events, you know, from down to, to the juniors and everything. You just, you know, and, and these, these young talents are coming up so fast and so strongly too. So the ones you see in the uh, under-23s and the juniors, you're going to be seeing them in the, in the uh, World Tour peloton, not very quickly, and usually the way things go in this day and age, you'll see them at the front of the race too. You know, because um, uh, they come into the World Tour peloton and they're certainly not shy. Yeah. I think that's let's see what Pat thinks about that. Whether you know, with Neo Pros, uh, is there a is there a, a more sense of hey, if I'm good enough, I'm going to you know take my chance. Whereas in the in Pat's day, um, it might have been a bit more of a hey, you're Neo Pro, you have to earn your place. Of the peloton. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we're going back to the 80s where uh, we have riders who are 19 and 20, like uh, Eric van der Raden, who come from the under 23 or the amateur uh, program and they have instant success. So I think it's a real sign that the sport is uh, clean. It's a real sign that the sport is um, definitely today, uh, uh, there's no indication to say there's any kind of drug use or anything like that. And well, during my day, well, that was definitely different. So I reckon it's a fantastic time to be a cycling fan and we're actually seeing some, you know, clean and fair racing and which means that if you're a talented 18-year-old and that you can uh, step into the pros uh, like Remco van der Nievenpool has done and and, and several others, uh, uh, Quinn from the Team USA, they just made the transition from juniors to pros uh, just like the 80s and uh, 70s. I reckon it's fantastic what's happening at the moment in cycling and, uh, Mm. yeah, just real indication of clean racing. Yeah, you're right. That so either we're getting older or they're getting younger, or maybe it's a balance of both. <laughs> uh, certainly, that average age of 
Ineos this year that I think was 27.5 or so with, you know, two 23-year-olds. They're both lead riders at 23 years old. So it does seem to be changing, doesn't it, Pat? Oh, absolutely. Look, you know, uh, you wouldn't see that in the 90s. You're not going to see a 23-year-old win a Tour de France or get on in the top 10 in the 90s. And uh, and today we, we see that, just like we saw Laurent Fignon win the Tour de France when he was 22 years old. And, uh, you know, I think, um, yeah, it's it's exciting, you know, to see these young, talented riders uh, make make the transition. And uh, uh, to be honest, the, the sport of cycling today is, uh, is as exciting as it's been um, in a long time. Uh, except for yesterday's stage, that was so boring. That <laughs> still bothers me. Oh no! Okay, well tonight, tonight's mountaintop's going to be pretty damn exciting, Pat. So that that'll pick you back up again, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very mountainous uh, week coming up. Yeah, and maybe three in a row for um, Yumbo Visma, by the looks of things, stage wise. Um, you'd have to say they're faves. Hey, Patrick, down your neck of the woods. Um, can we just move to the tour down under? I mean, crystal ball time. Um, will all those World Tour teams be able to come into Australia in January? Or what, what, yeah. what's your latest that you got on that? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, the feeling here in Adelaide, the Tour Down Under will go ahead. They just cancelled the, the um, V8 motor racing. The supercars have been cancelled today, officially. Look, okay. the, Tour de Front, the Tour Down Under will go ahead. Um, I believe uh, it will have a bit more of a national road series feel where um, some of the national uh, level riders will get the opportunity. I don't think uh, we'll see many, uh, the, we won't see the European tours get here. I, I don't believe um, until we have a vaccine and we're not going to see the pro tour teams able to make the, the journey to Adelaide. But we have uh, uh, over a dozen world-class Australian world tour riders and I expect to see them all here. So the best of the Aussie pros will be here and it'll be um, more of a national road series feel with hopefully some Kiwis put in and okay. yeah, that'll be uh, the Tour Down Under 21. Yeah. And Stuart O'Grady's first one, some some new course details, um, very different Tour Down Under for us. Rupert, your thoughts on the on the TDU 2021? Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with Pat, you know, and, uh, you know, even if um, they were able to get, if the World Tour teams were able to send, you know, their, their big names over or any Europeans... Uh, there's a risk with that, you know, that they, they can't afford to have anybody on their roster sort of stuck in Australia, you know, in a, in a, in a lockdown, mm. um, uh, not only for the time, but also the, well, for the uncertainty of how long they could be locked down or isolated, but also when they are isolated, what do they do to, uh, to you know, all that uh, pre-season preparation? I reckon a lot of uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if even if some of the uh, Australian World Tour riders uh, skip the Australian summer, you know, and just say, "Hey, we've had this disrupted season in Europe already. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, ride out the winter mm. in Europe. Just uh, use what I've got as a base to come into 21, absolutely flying." Because I think if and this is on the uh, perhaps right or wrongly assumed. Uh, uh, um, hope maybe more than belief that the COVID is in a, in a better or there's less COVID threat next year but yeah. uh, they'll be racing hard and fast you know the moment that uh, there's any indication that there's going to be a normalized season mm. well yes yeah, certainly miss interesting times ahead hey um just in closing I would like to ask each of you what what you've got coming up what what projects you're working on Pat maybe if you could go first yeah, well, um, I normally work for bikestyletours.com and take people to the Tour de France, and this is the first time in 24 years 
that uh, the company I work for is not at the Tour de France and many other travel companies, some into cycle tourism. And uh, yeah, we're looking at um, um, once the restrictions in Victoria lift um, to take people and show them around the Victorian Alps. Okay. Uh, uh, New South Wales, Blue Mountains, and uh, yeah, organised trips in Australia for cycling enthusiasts. But um, obviously not going to be going to France anytime soon. Hopefully next year we'll be back uh, with bike-style tours and uh, doing our Tour de France trips and running into people like Roop and yourself and going back to... Um, we're going to probably give us each other a hug when we see each other in France. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that yeah. sounds pretty good. And we do have some pretty phenomenal climbs in Australia. I mean, there are there's some great alpine climbs that people probably overlook and just go straight overseas. So let's see Australia. Yep, that's what it's about now. Yeah, nice. Rupert, what are you um, what are you working on? Rupert, your last major project, I guess, was the virtual RAM, which you've got in the latest edition of Bicycling Australia. First of all, you're recovering from that. And, uh, and yeah, what's yeah. next? Yeah, look, I, I fully recovered. I came out of uh, VRAM uh, actually stronger than when I went into it. So um, I've, I've come. Um, obviously, I'm still uh, the, the long game is to uh, get to real RAM in the US next year if we can get there. If we can't, I've got a I've got a B plan, which is actually I reckon such a good B plan that I put it as an A plan. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this plan um, sometime anyway. I can't reveal it all yet, but uh, and in the meantime. Uh, I'm training for Ram now, um, and uh, and in the month, in the, in the next coming months, we'll, we'll be announcing soon uh, an initiative in New South Wales. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a program called uh, Rural Roads, um, and uh, we're going to like a mental well-being outreach uh, okay. tour to the country, New South Wales, and uh, try and take the bike from the garage of virtual Ram to uh, to the bush. And uh, use the bike as a tool to uh, listen to some people out in the bush, visit some towns, uh, get some long rides in, meet some great people, but try and sort of get a bit of a learning of the struggles and challenges that they're facing out uh, in rural Australia. At the moment, it's rural New South Wales because of the COVID restrictions, but uh, notwithstanding the, the, the issue of COVID, uh, it wasn't that long ago when we were all talking about the... Uh, the problems of bushfires and, of course, the uh, the droughts and then the floods. Um, mm. So we sort of go out there and try and bring back to the city uh, some of the messages from out there so we don't forget what's happening out there in uh, rural New South Wales. We'll, we'll certainly offer all the support we can, Rupert, at Bicycling Australia, and we look forward to following that one. Thanks very much, mate. That'd be tremendous. Yeah. So, guys, now just in closing, we're going to close the podcast uh, let's give our Tour de France overall predictions. And I'm going to start by saying Roglic. I'm just 100% on Roglic, Roglic this year. Um, Pat and then Rupert can take it out. <laughs> yeah, look, you, you stole Yeah, Roglic to win the Tour de France. Uh, Tom Dumoulin second. Richie Port third. Bernal fourth. Oh, nice, nice lineup. Mm. There we go. Richie up the top on the podium. Oh, on, the, on that podium. That's good. Um, and Rupert. In, yeah, in look, closing. I'm pretty close now. I can take the best of what you guys have just put up on the table. And um, look, I think Roglic, I think they've got a great team, Yumbo uh, uh, Visma. I think uh, Ineos uh, Grenadiers will actually ride their way into this tour, not just Bernal, but I think the others will because um, it's a new setup, a new team. And with that, that takes a while for the team to gel. I know it's easy to say some of them are off form, but I think Bernal will come into great form and those other guys. 
even like Carapaz, he will, he's lost some time, but I think he'll get formed back to be really effective to help uh, uh, Bernal later. Uh, so to answer your question, Roglic first, uh, Bernal second, and um, I'm going to put Richie in the top five. Uh, I, I, would, I would love to say third, but then it looks like I'm just copying Pat, so I can't do that now. Uh, but I think... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and I think um, so. Yeah, and I can't put Dumoulin third either for the same reason. So I'm going to put him fourth. So another third. I'm going to have. Um, um, I'm going to. Uh, 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 gee, I had, them, I, had them, I had them on the tip of my tongue before. Um, yeah. Look, I'm going to say Quintana. Quintana's actually in form. In form, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's good. Yeah, you team. You can see that change of team, him getting out of that, that rut, whatever, whatever that rut at Movistar was, they all seemed to suffer a rut in there. He's got out of it and he's gone to a French team. He's enjoyed it. He's, he's much more uh, expressive outwardly and also you can see on his social media, a lot of he's seeing more of the personality of it. Maybe yeah. that's social media isn't the be-all and end-all, but the fact that he's engaging in it shows yeah. he's actually bringing his environment. He's fresh. He's had some good results and... Um, I think, yeah, Quintana to be third. So what did I say? Yeah, Roglic. Nice, nice podium. Roglic. Yeah, I can't Roglic, remember. Roglic, um, Bernal, and then, uh, and Quintana, then Quintana. Quintana. That's yeah. a nice podium. We're going to put this online and, um, and oh, share yeah. our top three and ask the audience what theirs are. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. We really appreciate your expert um, analysis and, your, and being a part of it today. That's terrific. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Rita. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.